0: and our scripture passage for today is First Samuel chapter 3. Well, Samuel begins his ministry and his first prophecy. Now, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. That is, he worked under his direction. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. That means that God was having a silent period because he was getting ready to do something. Now, this is very much like the 400 years of silence that came later, as you'll recall, between the closing of the Old Testament canon when Malachi's last prophecy Happened around 400, all the way down to the appearance of Gabriel to Zachariah, Zachariah, the father of John that we call John the Baptist. And so this is a rare word. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. God was not speaking openly, and it just seemed like there was a lull. When you see that happening, God is about to do something because remember, God's silence does not mean inactivity. He's never status. He's never just standing still doing nothing. He's always linear, moving his story along. And so the Bible says, and it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, this is in contradistinction to Moses, remember, who was 120 and his eye was not dim. He could see as an Israeli, fighter pilot and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark was and while Samuel was lying down the Lord notice the Lord all capitals called Samuel and he answered here am I so he ran to Eli and said here am I for you call me and he said I did not call you lie down again so he went and lay down then the Lord called yet again Samuel So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you call me. And he answered, I did not, my son. And so he went back and lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. In other words, Samuel was just a young boy. And he had not become savvy to the ways of God and to hearing the voice of God because he was being trained up to hear the voice of Eli. And so when Eli called, that was training for him for the day the Lord called. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord. Notice he spoke his name. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. See, this is Samuel's name. That means I am listening with a mind to obey. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. Now, the Lord came and stood. Now, this is amazing. The Lord came and stood and called out as other times, Samuel, Samuel. Now, this means that God made a personal appearance to Samuel. Now, this is fascinating to me. This is what's called a Christophany. This is a pre-incarnate personal appearance of Jesus. You say, well, how do you know that? Because Jesus is all of God we'll ever see. When we get to heaven, we're not going to see the Father and the Spirit and the Son. We're going to see the manifestation of Jesus. We're going to see the manifestation of God in the person of Jesus. Because you see, he is the manifestation of God. And when you see Jesus, you've seen the Father. When you see Jesus, you've seen the Spirit. The Bible says in the book of Colossians, through the Apostle Paul, in him dwells the fullness, the fullness, the completeness of the Godhead bodily. And so you say, well, uh, I don't understand that. Well, that's exactly right. Our brains cannot wrap around this supernatural transcendent concept that God is three distinct persons, yet one. And Jesus said to Philip, Philip, have I been so long with you that you don't understand? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Yet Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. You see, we cannot make those kinds of distinctions, but according to the scriptures, God, the Father acts in a certain way, the Son acts in a certain way, and the Holy Spirit acts in a certain way, all in tandem with each other, yet one. It is really not as much Trinity as it is triunity. And this is what the Bible presents, and we either can take it or we can leave it. I take it as the word of God. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In other words, it's going to sting the ears of people. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to end, because you remember the man of God has already been on the scene, the unknown and the unnamed. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity, which he knows. You see, he knew about it because his son's, made themselves vile, and He did not restrain them. You see, God tells us the full story here. He knew what His boys were doing, and He talked to them, but He didn't restrain them. You see, as long as they were in His household and under His roof, He had authority over them. Now, if they left and went out somewhere, He would not have been accountable, but He allowed them to continue to do what they were doing in His household. This is instructive for us. If you allow your children to live sinful lives under your roof and under your authority, you're going to be judged by God for it. I mean that. It's very important. God will bring judgment on your house, and the fact that that has happened over and over again, and then we wonder, why, why is God allowing this to happen? Get that out of your house. You cannot allow this kind of sin, whatever it is, whatever type it is, to go on in your house. You do not need to have in your home and condone two lovers, whether they be heterosexual or homosexual, in your house. Now, if my children are going going to come to my house. They're going to have to do what they did when they were living there. Even though they're adults, they're not going to come in and start cursing in my home. They're not going to come in, bring girlfriend, and go back to bed and have sex with them. They're not going to sleep together. I'm not going to allow homosexual behavior in my home. I'm not going to allow pornography in my home. I'm not going to, and we can go on down the list. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to have somebody come in and curse my wife in my home. I am responsible for what goes on in my home. You say, well, that's just so unloving. No, it's loving because this is what the Lord does. The Lord doesn't allow it in his house. God won't put up with this. And you say, well, he doesn't judge. Oh, it's not over yet. And so we need to be careful because God doesn't allow this anywhere. And Samuel got in trouble for the same thing. Because even though God spoke to him about Eli, Samuel had to deal with this in his own household. Yes, Samuel was married. We don't know his wife's name. Now, this is not a put down to women. I'm just telling you, the apostles were all married. We didn't know, except Paul, we didn't know any of their names. We didn't know any of their children's names. You see, now we think that ministry is some kind of dual pastorate or it's some kind of a team where you have a man and his wife and his wife is the pastor. No, no, that, that's not the case. It wasn't in the early New Testament church, and that's the only pattern we have. And if that's what we're going to follow, and it wasn't in the Old Testament. The prophets, uh, many of them were married. Samuel had sons, so something went on. I think he was married. I don't think he had been living with somebody. That would have been sin to the open public. That wasn't going to happen. He didn't hire a prostitute to have children. He was married. So as this went along, Samuel had to give Eli a bad report. And he confirmed with more details what the unknown and unnamed prophet had already said. And I want you to look at what the Bible says that was the response of Eli. And he says in verse 18, it is the Lord. In other words, he knew what Samuel was saying was true. Let him do what seems good to him. He resigned himself to the will of God. Verse 19, so Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Now that's fascinating. It's very much like what is said about the Lord Jesus. Just in a different phrase, but the same kind of thing. He grew in favor with God and man. And so he let none of his words fall to the ground. That means that what he said was confirmed and affirmed by God. What he said, God said amen to. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet to the Lord. That is, he was confirmed. God said this is my man. And this phrase from Dan to Beersheba tells you that this is even after the tribe of Dan has gone to the north and they have taken the city of Laish and many times you will have someone come back and make a historical note even before something is done and it seems like it's out of sync because uh, you will have Dan being talked about in the north before Dan went north. Well, when when we talk about Dan to Beersheva, we're not talking about from the coastal plain to Beersheba. We're talking about where Dan ended up, up on the Lebanese-Syrian border at the foot of Mount Hermon. They went north. They abandoned their inheritance. God didn't like it, but he set a landmark by it. They went north and found a peaceful people outside of their land boundaries, and they not only took over a peaceful people and attacked an innocent, peaceful people in the sense of they were not at war against anyone. It was a very peaceful people. They went, they took over their village, they pillaged them, killed them, then took them as slaves. And as they did all of this, they set up idols. And you can read about that in this material. It's absolutely astonishing to me. What they did is they set a trend. They were a long way from Jerusalem. They were a long way from the house of God. And many times, when this happens in the Bible the next thing you know people are abandoning God because they're so long away from the house of God they get out of the quote habit of obeying God and it's like they're out from under the watchful eye of the priest around the temple and the tabernacle and so the next thing you know people are just living doing whatever they want to do and that's what happened in Dan. It not only happened here but when Jeroboam the son of Nebat that we'll learn about later on in the these podcasts when he split the kingdom and took ten tribes to the north, he went to the father's most point and Dan And he set up a golden calf, like the one that they had set up at the foot of Mount Sinai, and it became a stumbling block to all of Israel. And so, this is a fascinating thing that when something gets in a people's blood and a place is associated with paganism and heathendom, unless God comes in and there is renewal and revival, then there is a tendency to revert back to whatever the sin of that particular place was. And so this is why when churches go in and buy a place or they go in and take a house of ill repute or a saloon or a beer joint or a club, they need to go in and from top to bottom clean that place up, clean it out, absolutely refurbish it, but they also need to go in and surround the place pray over it, ask God to clean it up, to cast out the demons that might be associated with that place, and to break the curses that were performed there, and God will do it, because in Jesus, the curse is broken. This is why the Bible says, cursed is every man that hung on a tree. Jesus became a curse for us, so that we could be free from the law, and free from the curse of the law, free from the bondage of sin. And so it all comes back to God doing what only God can do. And so Samuel is established, and from Dan to Beersheba, the people knew that he was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And what a tremendous thing it is. I just pray that God would burn in your heart the necessity to get into the Word of God every day and listen to the voice of God because it's in the Bible that we hear God's voice through His Spirit. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions.